welcome to I See Star Wars, a podcast about vintage Star Wars action figures. I am your host, Michael Havens, creator of The Imperial Commissary. Come with me, I will be your guide as we journey through the incredible universe of vintage Star Wars collectibles. Welcome to another exciting episode of IC Star Wars. Today we're going to talk about IG-88. We're going to talk about the Imperial Commissary Meetup out at Celebration in Anaheim, California. And we're going to do the Ask Mike section where we go through a bunch of questions that you guys ask me on the IC. The IC, if you don't know, it is the original Facebook group that spawned uh, the podcast and the convention and all these different things. And uh, you can find it at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Imperial Commissary. Um, you could also check out all the IC subgroups at www.imperialcommissary.com. Well, enough of that. Let's jump right in. Let's talk about IG-88. Only a fully trained Jedi Knight with the Force as an ally will conquer Vader and his Emperor. If you end your training now, if you choose the quick and easy path as Vader did, you will become an agent of evil. We're going to go over to Wikipedia as we do every time, and I'm going to read you a little bit about what they have on IG-88. Um, IG-88, also known as IG-88B, or as Flut Droid, I had no idea, Flut Droid, was a rogue, deadly, masculine IG series assassin droid manufactured by Holowan Laboratories, who worked as a bounty hunter. Following the Battle of Hoth, he had several other bounty hunters. He and several other bounty hunters were summoned by Darth Vader to the Executor and hired to track down the Millennium Falcon and a rebel crew. Unable to track his quarry, IG-88 trailed his chief rival, Boba Fett. That's right, Boba Fett. To Bespin, where the bounty hunter nearly destroyed the assassin droid. However, IG-88 managed to survive. At some point, IG-88 undertook a software infiltration into Death Star 2. But his plan was single-handedly thwarted by R2-Q5. The droid later met with mercenary Bazin Natal to speak about the location of Millennium Falcon. Wow, I didn't know pretty much any of that about IG-88. Especially that he's called a... A flut droid. P-H-L-U-T droid. Weird one. Well, I do know some stuff about the vintage Kenner IG-88, though, so I'll tell you a little bit about that. I know he was available in Kenner baggies and also multi-packs. If you don't know what multi-packs were, um, a bunch of different figures would come in a box um, from... Sears or service merchandise or something like that, some sort of mail-away thing. And uh, they would sell a bunch of different figures and baggies in certain packs. He was available in Empire Strikes Back was his first release. He was available on the Empire Strikes Back cards, Return of the Jedi cards. There was also a Meccano one of him. Uh, Meccano is French, uh, the French company that released Star Wars toys in France. Um, and he was also the Return of the Jedi tri-logo. He was released overseas. He also was released on a Palatoy card, the Palatoy writing on the front. Uh, accessories. He comes with accessories. His two accessories are a Stormtrooper Blaster and a... It's the long rifle, but it's the long rifle without the front magazine. Like, if, uh... The Snow Trooper has the one with the front magazine. IG-88 has one without a front magazine. So it's that long rifle without the uh, front mag. And uh, both those should be blue for IG-88. 
Well, I'm sure you heard in the background there uh, my little dog barking. I have a little dog here, and uh, she's barking because I just got my mail. There was a really cool mail call, so uh, maybe I'll open that up later on the air here, and we'll talk about that. Back to IG-88. There's many different IG-88s. Unfortunately, there is no Lily Letty IG-88. There are a few bootlegs of him. There's some Model Trem ones. Model Trem, if you're not familiar with those, are uh, actually made of lead. They're figures from down in Brazil. They're bootleg figures. They came in a box. Kind of neat. Some people do collect them. They aren't really for me because I usually put stuff on glass shelves and I'm always afraid they're going to shatter the glass shelves. I do know some guys with a bunch of them that have them on glass shelves and they're perfectly fine, but uh, it's still a lead figure. I don't know. It seems really heavy and dangerous. <laughs> but they're neat. They're really neat. Uh, also, uh, Poland has a few unarticulated rubber ones. Um, they're like a hard rubber, but those are, they have the fixed arms and fixed legs and they don't really move. They also have an LFL mark on the back of those Hong Kong ones, even though they are bootlegs. So that's about it for IG-88, as far as the Kenner figure is concerned. Strongest Vader, mind what you have learned, said you would can. Let's move on to our next segment, which is going to be the Ask Mike segment. And uh, I know you guys like this Ask Mike segment. Actually, I have a question for you. What would you like to hear more of on the podcast? Would you like me to bring on some guest stars? I do have uh, really good connections with guest stars, uh, folks from the Star Wars movies, stuff like that. Or else I could bring on uh, other guest stars that are super collectors. I have great connections throughout the community for super collectors if there's something certain you want to hear. Or if you know something, or if you're doing something, or if you want to pitch something that is celebrating the community that we all love, please feel free to reach out to me. You could always reach out to me on... uh, email or Facebook or anything like that. Just Google Mike Haven Star Wars and you'll be able to get a hold of me somehow, way, shape, or form. Uh, but you could even reply on here or uh, reply on Facebook and any ideas you have. I'm always willing to listen and I'm always willing to give anything a try. So let's move on to the Ask Mike section. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Welcome to the Ask Mike section of IC Star Wars. What Ask Mike is, is it's a uh, post I put up on the Imperial Commissary. That's the original Facebook group that spawned it all. Uh, I put it up on the Imperial Commissary and I say, Ask Mike, ask me anything in the comments about me, the IC, ICCC, IC meetups, Star Wars, anything. I'll do my best to answer it off the cuff on the airwaves. Here's the questions. This week we have... uh, 29 comments, so 29 questions, a lot more than last week. Uh, So let's dive right into them. First question is from Jay Schmidt. Good morning, Mike. After completing my loose run of figures, I find myself getting into customs. Who are some of your favorite customizers, and what are your top three customs in your collection? I myself am excited for the work Gary Weaver is doing on the vintage-style Mandalorian figures. Well, that's a tough one off the top of my head. I would say for customs, I'd have to say, of course, Marsha Parkins. First and foremost, Marsha Parkins makes some incredible stuff. They take a long time. Um, They're not the cheapest thing in the world, but you get what you pay for. I have a Boba Fett from Marsha that is the most screen-accurate Boba Fett I've ever seen. Um, It's phenomenal. It even has a little stand uh, where he's standing on it. It's like the Bespin Carbon Freeze Chamber. It's phenomenal. It, uh, the detail work is incredible. I'll put up some pictures on the thread when I make the picture for the backdrop. Just look at the top of this post and you'll see a picture of it. Also, I would have to say Stephen Ward. I don't know if Stephen Ward still does customs, but he does some phenomenal things with customs. I had him do a uh, Ray and Ben customs, Kylo and Ray. 
and they're really really cool they're made out of like five different figures and they look legit but they're done in the vintage style so they have like the vinyl capes and it's really really cool he also made me a uh, Disney diecast I don't know if you remember the Disney diecast line it came out a couple years ago but he took one of the prototype edition Boba Fett's the white ones all white Boba Fett and he repainted that to look just like the one from Return of the Jedi um, it's ridiculously screen accurate also um, and then he put it on this tower where Boba Fett is actually crawling out of the Sarlacc pit and he's tossing a thermal detonator over his back escaping from the Sarlacc pit so I really really like that one but he makes fantastic customs and then one more is a homegrown customizer from the Imperial Commissary uh, Joseph Chambers Joseph is a good friend of mine and he makes a whole bunch of custom really neat custom ideas uh, it's called Hammerhead Customs and that's where he started out was Hammerhead Customs and he's brought them to the ICCC before he's brought them to IC meetups and he sold them on the IC groups and people really love them he does really neat different ones he had like an Ewok that was like Jack Sparrow and he had a I, I know he made me alien you know alien uh or aliens the movie he made me that alien figure painted like boba fett uh which was really really cool i love it and it's in the other room it's all men on card and everything i actually commissioned joseph uh last year not this this previous christmas but the christmas before to do the i give away a little present to my admin team and the people that really help out and admin on the ic and the ic subgroups and help out with iccc and the present last year was a boba fett um with a special power of the force back uh card back and the power of the force coin was replaced by the iccc first year challenge coin a challenge coin is a metal coin people give them out at conventions stuff like that i put that on there well i didn't put that on there he put that on there and we had a nice picture on the back of the admin team with all the admins names listed and uh we even had david montauk who is one of our admins that passed away unfortunately god rest his soul we put him on there and it was a little in memoriam thing which was really nice for everybody i have mine in my collection andrea has hers and i'm sure everybody else held on to theirs it uh came out really really nice so if you're looking for the whole card back and the whole kit and caboodle, I suggest Joseph Chambers. If you're looking for a really high-end, detailed, incredible amount of work, artistry, I'd go with Marsha Parkins or Stephen Ward. But those are definitely one-off and much more expensive. Gary Weaver does make some nice stuff. I have his uh, droids painted, his cartoon droids painted Boba Fett. And it's really, really nice. I like his figures. He does a lot of work on them, and he kind of reverse engineers and all this stuff. He does more work on those things than I know what to do with. But he usually makes numerous of the same figure as opposed to just one-offs. Like, if you go to Marsha Parkins, I know maybe 10 people have a Boba Fett from her, and they're all different in some way. She puts in a lot of artistry as opposed to uh, making a new figure, which it's awesome to make a new figure. I love uh, Tarkins. People make Tarkins and stuff like that. I even have some vintage Grand Moff Tarkins made out of Imperial, um, what is it, Imperial Commanders, the Imperial Officers, and they look really, really good. I have one from Lily Letty that's a vintage one that was made way back in the day because some people, very few and far between, did really want that Grand Moff Tarkin. I think we still wanted it these days, all the way up until the Retro Collection came and dumped one out on that board game. And uh, I bought a couple because it's Grand Moff Tarkin. <laughs> uh, next up, next question. Christopher Michael, what's your favorite Star Wars shirt you own? Hmm. My favorite Star Wars shirt I own. Ooh, I know. 
easy peasy. It's uh, recent, somewhat recent, two years old. Um, it used to be this just beater R2-D2 one because it was just so comfortable and like the best soft t-shirt material. Um, but your question said shirt. And the coolest shirt I own is uh, I had some commissions done off of old bed sheets, the bed sheets from the 70s and well 70s and early 80s and i had them made into bowling shirts pretty much they have nice buttons stuff like that but it's the bed sheets i've worn them at the cons um it's kind of like my little shtick if somebody's looking for the mike havens outfit that would probably be it um but i have one that's return of the jedi and that return of the jedi this year at iccc i walked around and the guest stars were signing it so that one's become really really special to me i'll still wear it as a regular shirt i mean some of the signatures i'm sure will rub off and that's okay too i'll get the enjoyment out of it while i get to play with it but uh that shirt i would say is the most special the one that i'm most connected to and that's because i can remember the times that those people were signing it and it was good times it's happy times and i really really enjoyed that so i would say my favorite star wars shirt is definitely my return of the jedi bed sheet shirt say that three times fast bed sheet shirt bed sheet shirt bed sheet shirt look at that i could <laughs> Next up, Dan Losell, what is your favorite food and your favorite alcoholic beverage? Uh, my favorite food is chicken cutlet, sliced really, really thin, not pounded, uh, breaded Italian breadcrumbs. You fry it a little while, you bake it at 350, uh, it's top notch. I would say my second favorite following that would probably be chicken parm. I'm a really fa big fan. Chicken parm is essentially the exact same thing, um, except you put some sauce, some... Uh, some marinara and some cheese, mozzarella cheese on there. I know I say mozzarella weird, but that's because of where I was raised. <laughs> My favorite alcoholic beverage. Um, if I am out for a night on the town, I drink Kettle One on the rocks with three limes. If I am enjoying a drink at home, it would probably be, I'd say Zacapa. I like Zacapa a lot. It's actually this rum that's made, it's aged in bourbon barrels at really, really high altitudes down in Mexico. I got a taste for it about about six, seven years ago when I started going to Mexico. And uh, so what they do is they take the rum, it's really, really nice rum, and then they age it in bourbon barrels so it actually leaches out that bourbon flavor into the rum. Um, and I usually put it with Red Bull or you could even just put it with regular soda or you could even just have it on the rocks. It's uh, very good. It's called Zacapa. Uh, I believe it's Z-A-C-A-P-A. It might have two P's or two A's or something like that, but I'm sure you can Google it. Next up, thank you, Dan, for your question. Uh, Dave Anderley, or A-N-D-E-R-L, Anderl, Anderl? Do you believe Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc Pit? Of course, man. Of course. I literally have a tattoo on my arm of him escaping the Scar Sarlacc Pit. <laughs> Yeah, Boba Fett gets out, man. You do, you do not fall into the Sarlacc pit, into a pit of dirt with a worm in it, and uh, have on full body armor, rocket launchers, darts, uh, an actual jet pack, a knife, uh, extra darts on your knees, an extra knife on your other leg, and another dart on your thing, and a retractable cord grappling hook thing. I mean, no way. There's no way. Uh, I say he got knocked out for a little while. He sat down there even for a day or two, uh, came awake and checked it out and said, you know what? I could do this and uh, got out of there because that's Boba Fett. No way is he gone. And I guarantee you, if you keep watching the Mandalorian series, you will eventually see him show up. 
Actually, spoiler alert, tune out for five minutes if you don't want to hear it. But the reason why I know for a fact is because when the uh, the girl bounty hunter from Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I can't think of her name, um, but she was taking shots in that, in that younger kid bounty hunter. I can't remember his name either. Some some podcast Star Wars host I am. But uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. When they're in the Tatooine desert and he shoots her and then she's on the ground and then Boba Fett, or the Mandalorian and him leave. Um, they go away. And then all of a sudden at the end of the episode, somebody walks up. They have boots on. You only see the boots. You can hear the spurs or whatever the spurs are, the jingle jangle, the ching, ching, ching. And um, you also hear this sound. It's an electronic sound. It's kind of like, I'm going to recreate it here, but it's not going to be what it sounds like in real life. But you'll get the idea. It goes like, I can't do it. But it's something like that. And uh, anyway, if you go and you check that sound and you go through the entire Star Wars universe and you look for that exact same sound, I thought it was the... uh, Imperial probe droid from Empire Strikes Back originally it was not so I kept searching and searching and searching and the only other time I could ever hear that sound was in the special editions A New Hope when the redo Jabba scene happens (laughs) Um, and Boba Fett walks out actually Mark Anthony Austin's a really nice guy he came out to the con last year and he played Boba Fett in that scene the cool thing about this listen to this he's a big ILM guy he works on a ton of movies stuff like that but he happened to be in the office when they needed somebody to fill out the Boba Boba Fett suit for that day the thing is is Mark Anthony Austin is actually a Boba Fett collector so in his office he had tons of Boba Fett stuff and they walked by at Lucasfilm one day and they said hey you want to be in the Boba Fett outfit for today? Because we need him for the special edition. And Mark Anthony Austin jumped at the idea and said, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do it. He went out there and he got to be Boba Fett. It's every it's every Fett fan's dream come true. But uh, he got to be Boba Fett. He's a really nice guy. I suggest you guys follow him on uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Uh, Mark Anthony Austin. He played Boba Fett in the special editions. But uh, when he walks out in the special edition, you can hear that exact same sound. That beep it totally sounds more electronic than that. I will try to figure out how to splice that in later or something like that. If I can find it and figure out how to splice things, um, you will hear it here. That was from The Mandalorian, and now here is that same sound in the special edition of A New Hope when Boba Fett enters the Millennium Falcon's hangar. And if I can't figure it out, you'll just hear a pause there. But, uh, (laughs) um, yes, absolutely, Dave. Uh, Boba Fett does survive the Sarlacc pit. Do not worry. I bet you you will see him in the future. Okay, spoilers over. Spoilers over. Next up, Bill Hudson. What is your favorite Star Wars apparel item and why? Hmm. Favorite Star Wars apparel item. Well, the shoes never fit me. 90% of the t-shirts don't fit me. Um, hats. I love Star Wars hats. I love IC hats. I love flex fit hats. They, they fit great. Um, even beanie caps, something like that. Anything with the Star Wars stuff on there. I have a really cool Yankees Darth Vader, uh, pom pom, uh, winter cap that I got from, uh, Yankee stadium 
years ago, and that's awesome. I got a R2 one of that too. Andrea has a BB-8 one, but it's got the, I think it's the New Jersey Devils or no, maybe the New York Rangers or something on it. I, I don't recall right now who it has on it, but she's not a fan of the team, neither am I, and we live in Nashville where it's the Predators town. So it's very funny when she wears it. People will be like, oh, you like them? And she's like, no, I like BB-8. <laughs> Uh, what's next? Mark Ireland. Oh, Bill Hudson says, why is it your favorite Star Wars item? Um, I like wearing hats. Uh, not because I'm bald yet. I'm getting there. No, I'm, (laughs) but no, I like wearing hats. I think they look cool and they keep your head warm and that's always nice. Uh, next up, Mark Ireland. With the Mandalorian being so awesome, do you think that Disney has set the bar too high from the start? It would be a shame to see the Obi-Wan spinoff be a carbon copy. Carbonite copy, he put in quotes there. Very funny. Very nice pun. Very nice pun, Mark Ireland. Um, no. I think the Mandalorian... I think here's what Disney does. They, they're really, really amazing. Um, what they do is they give things to each different segment of Star Wars fans. Whether it is... Jar Jar Banks or Ewoks for the kiddos, or uh, what was that one? Rise of the Resistance, I think, the, the cartoon there. I, I mean, I thought that was really parochial, but it was watchable, and I mean, it wasn't made for me. I thought Rebels was very, very smart. Um, I had a hard time following the end of the final Rebels there, so, I mean, I could only imagine being five years old and watching it, and I, I wouldn't have understood it at all. Um But I believe they make different stuff for different folks. I believe for the old school nerds like me that collect Star Wars toys and live and immerse themselves in the nostalgia of 77 through 88, um, I think that we really, really enjoy things like Rogue One or, um, let me think, Rogue One or uh, The Mandalorian for sure. And uh, the reason why is The Mandalorian is essentially an awesome cowboy serial. Um, You get to watch an episode every week, and it's about a really awesome cowboy that's traveling the world and doing good. With a little tiny cutesy-wootsy baby Yoda-type species thing that everybody can connect with. I mean, shoot, pop big anime eyes on something and make it look at you teary-eyed, and that's why all our dogs get to go inside, outside, inside, outside. Every day it's sunny, um, and why we get up to open that door. Uh, it's just, that's their puppy dog eyes. That's what, that's what gets us. That's what gets different types of people. But they also make things like, say, The Last Jedi. I know some people didn't love The Last Jedi. Um, it was not my favorite Star Wars movie, but... It was it was a Star Wars movie. The thing is, I found The Last Jedi was a great movie. It wasn't the best Star Wars movie, but I feel like it was way more in-depth and thought-out and Oscar-worthy than, if there is such a thing, Oscar-worthy. I mean, Oscar-worthy than any other Star Wars movie. For example, the, the winner of the Oscars this year was a movie called Parasite. Now, Parasite is a film, um, foreign language film, but it won the Oscar. And the reason why it won the Best Picture Oscar is it really was a phenomenal movie. It made you think on a next level. It made you think about it the next day, the day after, the day after that. That's what Last Jedi did. Whether you loved it, hated it, were in the middle, whatever, it still made you talk about it for a long, long time. And that is an earmark of a great movie. 
that great movie made lots of money worldwide. And did it make money with the old school Star Wars fans? Not very much. And a lot of them got really mad about it. But it brought new people into this hobby. It brought people into Star Wars that weren't really into Star Wars. That wanted a more in-depth movie. Wanted something more, I don't know, uh introspective into the human condition and current and stuff like that which is fine i mean everybody wants a different kind of movie and that's okay everybody i want everybody to enjoy star wars then they came out with the next one which was the rise of skywalker and that movie was straight up for anybody that just wanted to have fun was it the most groundbreaking film in the history of film no but was it an awesome movie that was super duper fun to watch and you could shove popcorn in your maw while you saw it six times? Yeah. Oh yeah. It definitely was. It it definitely hit that mark for me and for a lot of people. I know a lot of people that saw that numerous times that probably haven't seen a movie numerous times for 10, 15 years. Now Rogue One was on the other side of it. If you're not an old school Star Wars nerd, if you don't get what it's about from back in the day, you didn't love Rogue One. Rogue One was extremely slow. Rogue One had all these new characters and new things and didn't really make sense. And I know a lot of people love the CG, but the CG was not very groundbreaking. I mean, Leia and Tarkin just looked gooey. Um, I'm not saying I could pull it off with a home laptop. I couldn't. But I feel like when you go really heavy on CG like that, uh, movies don't stand the test of time. I dare you to go back and watch the Polar Express now. Um, you will be shocked at how unbelievably weird and creepy it is. And that's just because it just our minds get used to CG. And then they learn it's CG. And CG becomes less and less great every year. I mean, the technology increases, and that's what makes our minds really be able to pick out what's computer-generated and what's real. Um, I loved Rogue One. I thought it was a phenomenal movie. Even the CG didn't really bother me. I thought it was great. The thing is, I thought it was great because it all made sense to everybody else that went into that movie theater. It took some guy in a white cape with four black death troopers to walk across a volcano for... 20 minutes in the beginning of it. I mean, they parked that shuttle so far away, it was crazy. And then it makes you connect with these characters, but you're connecting through these characters because you're seeing them get the Death Star plans. What's the Death Star? If you've never seen a Star Wars movie before, what's the Death Star? Okay, we'll explain it. We'll have it blow up a couple cities, and you know, you'll know what the Death Star is. Great. Well, these two people keep going. I'm talking about Jyn Erso and Cassian Andor. They keep going, and they keep fighting, and they keep going further and further along to the very, very last ragged edge. And it was a beautiful movie about things being more important than your personal survival, um, about a bigger cause, a bigger goal. And what happened is they go through it and then they, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Rogue One, but it's been like five years, not really four years. What happens is they die on the beach. And that's pretty much the end. I mean, the Death Star plans go through that awesome end scene with Darth Vader being like, Darth Vader. They get the plans over, and then Leia, the CG Leia, goes, Hope. What does it bring us? Hope. And uh, that was nice. That was great. And all of us go, Oh, that's awesome. That's from the Tantive, and that's right before that she ends up getting trapped by Darth Vader's Star Destroyer and blah, 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 blah. Because we have the next movie. But if you're going into Star Wars Dead Cold or you've only seen it once in the past five years, 
you have no idea that that's going into that movie. So a movie like Rogue One was made for people with a lot of Star Wars knowledge. Now, somebody could go into The Last Jedi ice cold. Ice cold. Never seen a Star Wars movie ever in their life, ever. And they could think that was a good movie. And that's what they were trying to do there. And that's what they did. And it worked out for those people. And then they gave us the recent one. And they also gave us The Mandalorian right before it. So we'd give it another shot. And that was really, really cool. I think the the entire saga, or however you want to call it, whatever it would be now, the entire Star Wars universe is in very, very good hands with Disney. I don't think they're going to let us down. I don't think an Obi-Wan... I, I'll tell you what. Obi-Wan, for me, because I grew up with Alec Guinness. Sir Alec Guinness. Bridge over the River Kwai. Anyway... Sir Alec Guinness was always my Obi-Wan. Now, do I think Ewan McGregor did a great job? Yes. Absolutely. 20 years after I saw those movies and I can actually appreciate them for what they were, absolutely, I think he did great. Um, do I think it'll be a fun series? Sure. But he is never going to be, to me, the Obi-Wan I remember. Um, even though he does have some of the characteristics and he plays it very, very well, I remember Sir Alec Guinness, and that's a whole different animal. So, when you go into the Obi-Wan series, you're going to have set expectations because we grew up with this character forever. That's why I think they did something extremely smart with The Mandalorian. They made it old school enough, and they give nods to the old school people like IG-11, which looks just like the IG-88 we're talking about on this episode of I See Star Wars. Um, and we finally get to see a... IG-88 droid, or IG-11 droid, rather, in battle, which is awesome, and it's something we're all looking for. Or we get that special nod to the Rebel Transport, or we get the, or, sorry, the Imperial Transport. Or we get, uh, I don't know, different, different things like that, where they're just constantly feeding that vintage beast. But they are also giving you the ultra-cute little gooey character with Yoda. Um, that's for all the people that aren't into the scary part of Star Wars. Shoot, my mom loves Baby Yoda. Um, and she's not a big fan of the aliens. She told me that the other day, and it's very funny to me. But she loves the Star Wars movies, and she watches them when she comes down to visit. But um, she's definitely a Daniel Steele romance novel kind of girl. <laughs> but uh, the IG-88 is very cool. and I Well, IG-11 in uh, Mandalorian. But what they did is in Mandalorian, they didn't make any of the characters exactly like the characters from the originals. For example, the Mandalorian is not Boba Fett. Baby Yoda is not even a baby Yoda. It's a baby of Yoda's species um, with a different name that I don't even know yet. The vehicles are different. Even the stormtroopers and stuff like that, they're different. They bring in different characters. Even when they use characters that we know or somewhat know, for example, the Death Watch, they don't overuse them in order to taint our personal notion of what those things already are to us. I think The Mandalorian is phenomenal for a Star Wars fan. I think it is phenomenal for a cowboy western fan. I think it probably completely misses the mark. I don't know, but I think it probably completely misses the mark for somebody brand new. If they're brand new to Star Wars, they probably don't really understand what it's about. But they've even been able to bridge that gap by making it about the patriarchal Mandalorian protecting the baby situation, which is very good. It's a very, very good show. I'm really excited to see season two. 
All I'm afraid of with Obi-Wan is we have a set expectation of that character, and I just hope they're able to pull it off. But I'm sure they're going to be able to pull it off, and I'll watch it either way, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> uh, next up, Richard Trosclair. Hello, Mike. Why were figures like Yakface and Vlix not released in the United States? Thanks for all you do for the collecting community. Well, thank you very much, Richard. I appreciate the kind words, man. Um, all right. Yakface, why wasn't he released in the United States? I think Yakface, now this is just my personal opinion. I'm shooting from the hip, but I think this is right. Um, I think Yakface wasn't released in the U.S. because they tried him out in England and in Australia at the very end of the Power of the Force line, and he didn't get bought up. Nobody bought him. There's tales of pallets full of Yakface tri-logos being buried up in Colville, up in England, um, being buried in the, the dump by the pallet load. That's just because at the time, nobody really wanted a Yak Face figure. I mean, if you're going to be looking at Yak Face and a droid's Boba Fett, which one are you going to buy? Um, until nowadays, when they've become so unbelievably rare because not very many people held them and bought them, and there weren't very many manufactured. Well, there were still a lot manufactured, but just Australia and England. So we didn't really have the option. I didn't see my first Yak Face until my mother threw mine away, and I was about, shoot, 12 years old. And none of us believed it was a real vintage figure because we've never seen one before. And that was before the wonderful world of the World Wide Web where you could search for anything. Um, but at the time, we didn't really believe it. As far as Vlix is concerned, uh, Vlix was towards... It was going to be the next line of the droids figures. And I believe that back in the day, Kenner... Uh, already made the mold for Vlix. So what they did is they sold it down to a Brazilian company called Glaslite, Glaslite, um, Glaslite, however you want to say it. Um, but anyway, they sold it down to this Brazilian toy company, Glaslite, and what happened is that Brazilian toy company started pumping them out, and they sold some of the other molds to them as well, and that's how you get the Glaslite figures. Glaslite came out, that's why the Imperial Commissary says... 1977 through 88 it's because they came out all the way at the end of the line after it stopped being manufactured in america and the other countries um after 86 so they're all the way up to 1988 those glass leads but um they made other ones and they made hard copies and stuff like that of like mon julep and stuff you can google the picture but uh they never came out with them they never actually made the molds uh, on Vlix, they did make the molds and molds are expensive so they wanted to make some of the money back from the molds so they sold them to a uh, brazilian company so that's where Vlix came from and then as far as uh well we already talked about yak face but um why were they not released in the u.s there you go I, I'm not sure if Yakface, I think, no, Yakface, I think I'm right on what I said as well. So, next up, Mitchell Whaley, do you still remember your Blockbuster employee number? Shoot, man, I got my Blockbuster down downstairs, my card downstairs. Uh, 90063 were the digits I used to have to enter in when I had to use my manager code to override things. I remember that. That's sad that I remember that. Your code was 252072111422. Well, if anybody wants to take out some Blockbuster videos on Mitchell Whaley's account, it is 252072111422. No, no need to return those movies. Next up, Johnny Fletcher Jr. 
Johnny Fletcher Jr. asks, are you doing the toy show this year? I do not throw a toy show, man. <laughs> Full-size, life-size, big, giant, stupidly giant convention. That's what I do. It is a super awesome convention. Check out the website, www.icnashville.com. Um, everybody wants to know when I'm doing the show. Problems I'm running into doing the show. I'm trying to get a venue. And the problems with venues in Nashville is they are all set up for the music scene. Very few conventions come here, unfortunately. That's the reason, one of the major reasons why I started ICCC. It's because I wanted a good convention that brought good toys here to Nashville. Um, my problem is, is I'm looking into venues. All the venues I'm going to, they're telling me weird different things. Like, you can't have any food. Um, <laughs> And a convention doesn't work with any, without any food, but they keep thinking I'm trying to get it for an accountant's meeting when I need only a lunch break for 15 minutes at 12.15 to 12.30, and then everybody's back in to hear Bob speak about the TPS reports or whatever it is. Um, that's not what I'm going for. I need concessions. So I've been looking into some other places, and some places that have concessions are these big theaters that put on uh, shows. Like uh, there's going to be William Shatner's coming down here, and he's doing a show at the War Memorial Auditorium. I was looking into the War Memorial Auditorium. Unfortunately, they never have vendors. So the problem with that place is the vendors. Um, in order to get that place, I would have to have the vendor sign a thing that says they would give 20% of everything they sell to the War Memorial Auditorium. The reason why it's, and that's untenable. No vendor's going to do that. You'll get absolutely nothing that's good. You'll get only junk from China that's like knockoffs out of a container, like uh, Pokemon squishies or whatever. Um I don't want to do that, obviously, because I'm in it for the vintage toys. I love the vintage toys. I love the fact that ICCC has by far the best vintage toy selection on the entire planet. I say that by, bar none. There were four rocket-firing Boba Fetts in the building last year, and that's over a million dollars in Boba Fetts. I mean, the really good one was there with the baggie with the two rockets in it. Like, the best one in the world was there. Uh, so that's what I'm going for with the show. Um, so anyway, like, for example, this War Memorial Auditorium looked great. Looked like a great venue, has a cool stage, would save me money on the stage, which would be cool. Um, but what happened is they wanted 20% of all the vendors. That would bring in less than superior vendors, and that's what I want ICCC to be known for. I want it to be known for the top-of-the-line vintage toy vendors. So doesn't work out because I can't do that. But the reason why they have that set up is because they're expecting uh, Michael Buble and people to be selling Michael Buble t-shirts and fanny packs and tumblers, and they want the 20% off that, which is totally understandable. It's just unfortunate that most of the places I've talked to so far have trouble wrapping their head around concessions, like having food all day for these people. If you want a soda, you can go buy one. Or... Um, it not being just some t-shirts or some random stuff knockoffs, but it being really, really high-end vintage collectibles that are expensive. I mean, shoot, 20% of a $150,000 Boba Fett is what? 15, 150 to... It's like three grand. That's a lot of dough. Um, so... I don't know, that 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 one's not going to work out. But that's what the problem is. I'm looking for venues, uh, venue after venue after venue, and I'm digging through them, and I have some other teams helping, and I will find one. And as soon as I do, that's when I'll update when the next quote-unquote toy show 
will be. <laughs> it's not a toy show. It's a really, really awesome con. Call it ICCCC. Call it ICCCC. Call it IC. Call it ICCC. Call it ICC con. Call it whatever you want, but don't call it a toy show. Even though it has the best vintage toy selection in the world, it is a full-fledged convention. I mean, it's got everything. We got tattoos. We got star cars. We got photo ops. We got a giant stage we live stream it and the live stream comes out better than the nfl draft thanks to mark Rusiano who helps us out with that um it's really really nice come check it out and it's going to be the most affordable convention you ever go to i promise you that next up uh stephen hopwood if you could pick out one thing that was changed by the special edition of the original trilogy and return it to the way it was originally, what it would what would it be? Um, Stephen Hopwood, it would definitely be the Han shoots first. Han is actually the only person that shoots. For everybody that says Han shoots first, um, Greedo never got a shot off. For the record, um, that was Han Solo, and George Lucas went back on that and tried to change it up because he felt that Han shouldn't kill somebody in cold blood but I mean that was what made him the protagonist at the time is that he was a tough gangstery tough guy smuggler and he did what he had to do kind of deal and then he became reluctantly he became the good guy which is such a wonderful story it's uh it's it's really good for anybody that's ever been a bad guy it, it makes you makes you think of how important it is if you turn over to the good to the good side for somebody without the force i think han solo had the most force of anybody but uh that would definitely be what i change there's other things i would change but um some other people said for me it will always be the musical number in jabba's palace i'm not saying the original song was a masterpiece but the newer one was out of place and awful uh it was different that song i'm not a huge fan um <laughs> to say the least but uh, I don't know. It's George Lucas's movie. He could do whatever he wants with it, man. I mean, that's his call, not my call. Uh, as far as slapping something in there, that's something that always happens. I mean, personally for me, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast has beautiful, wonderful, amazing music. And you can all sing it at home, you know, Beauty and the Beast. But uh, what happened is they put in that, that song. Oh, let me think. What was it? Uh, ah, Yes. To be human again, to be human again. And I guess it was made way back in the day or whatever, but they pop it in right after Be Our Guest, Be Our Guest. And Be Our Guest is a great song. And then you throw in that Be Human Again right after it, and it's just, I don't know, it doesn't fit. It messes with your ears. But the reason why is because you've seen that movie a hundred times. I mean, they've done it with a lot of other things. The Lion King. The morning report, it's the long and the short. That song is just, it's a fine song. It just doesn't fit because you're used to the Lion King the way the Lion King is. Um, so I think that's what a lot of it has to do with. I mean, think about going back to your original high school or your grade school. And if they completely leveled it and revamped it, it doesn't feel the same. You don't have the same kind of nostalgia for it. But... It also allows for a re-release and it allows for a new generation to enjoy it. And I bet you there's people that, well, I know for a fact there's people that think that Greedo shot first. They're very, very surprised when I put up a little clip from when I'm watching A New Hope in the original theatrical cut widescreen that is off of Laserdiscs from a billion years ago. 
they're very surprised when they see Honshu first, and it's because they've never seen that before. It's tried to be completely wiped from the earth, and you can't wipe history, folks. It's there. You just have to dig deep enough. Next up, uh, well, Stephen Hopwood also says, I hear you. The part was quite annoying with the CGI redo of Snice Doodles, and then adding the monster from the Honeycomb cereal commercials. <laughs> However, there was one big letdown. Return of the Jedi's favorite movie and my favorite part is the triumphant victory over the Empire at the end of the film. I love the original jubilant Yubnub song, but the newer Mellow song fell flat for me. Actually, if I don't watch the movie, I enjoyed the newer Mellow song more than Yubnub. I think it's completely ridiculous that they wiped the ghost and made that into young Anakin. The only reason why is because that's not how the Force works. Um... <laughs> With the Force, what happened? Poor Yoda, he's stuck with a 900-year-old body to walk around all crotchety. And poor Obi-Wan's got to sit down on a rock. But Anakin Skywalker just gets to get a reset. Now, you could say that that reset is because that's when Anakin went to the dark side. And then he went back to the good side at the end. So I challenge you again and say, why wouldn't you immediately go to the dark side when you're like 20? Wouldn't you rather have your 20-year-old knees instead of whatever you're working with today? I would. So, you know, if you're going to do the eternity thing and you got to pick when you uh, when you turn into that force ghost, uh, shoot. Young, please. Uh, Dan Kissel also replied to that one. Stephen Hopwood, for me, if I had to pick one thing, Empire Restored Vader's bring me my shuttle line on Bestman. Yeah, it does. He does sound defeated. Um, the new line takes that anger away. We don't need him to live or three monotone lines explaining why what he wants and where he's going. I find that to be very valid. Um, Darth Vader should just kind of walk towards the shuttle thing. Why would his shuttle not be there? I mean, it's Darth Vader. It's like, you know, I, that would be like the guy from, what am I watching? Uh, what is it? Succession. I'm watching Succession. And that would be like the guy from Succession. You never see him in Succession say, Bring my limo. I'm going downstairs. You know what? He's crazy paid and his limo's always there. That's what his limo does. It waits on him. Uh, same thing with Vader. I mean, you're Darth Vader. There's a shuttle and a driver waiting on you. You don't have to call down to tell him to turn it on. Uh, William Kraft says, I agree with the Yubnum one too. It doesn't. It just doesn't irk me as much because the replacement isn't bad, just different. Um, yeah, he doesn't mind the Yubnum. Well, see, each their own. But the good thing is, is we're talking about it so many years later, so that's fun. Next up, Ryan Brad. What is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? Uh, meaning of life is one thing. What's that one thing? Well, that's what you got to figure out. That's from uh, Curly in City Slickers. He was a very intelligent cowboy. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, for me personally, what's the meaning of life? I believe the meaning of life is my family. Uh, my wife, um, the happiness that we get to share. I know it sounds corny to a lot of people. I know a lot of people can't connect to that, but I find the one thing in my life that I could not do without is, uh, my wife. She's unbelievably incredible. And, uh, if you've ever seen Rocky, uh, Rocky one, Rocky two, which phenomenal movies, Rocky four, but no Rocky one or two, um, She's my Adrian. I mean, she's the one who always believes in me, whether or not people are calling me a chicken or whatever they want to say. I mean, I'm a, a voice in the community as much as I've just fallen into that role. Uh, 
I am. And so sometimes people pick on me and that's tough. And the one person who is always there, no matter what, uh, to back me, to trust me, to love me, to appreciate me, to, I don't know, whether it's life, whether it's work, whether it's everything, it's, it's my wife by far. There's one thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. Win. Win. What are we waiting for? Take this! I know that's not the same for everyone, and that's why I definitely uh, push your comment over to Curly from <laughs> from uh, from City Slickers. How old are you? Thirty-eight. Thirty-nine. Yeah, you all come off here about the same age, same problems. You spend about fifty weeks a year getting knots in your rope, and then then you think two weeks up here'll on time for you. None of you get it. Do you know what the secret of life is? No, what? This. Your finger? One thing. Just one thing. You stick to that and everything else don't mean... That's great, but... What's the one thing? That's what you gotta figure out. Because you know what? For Billy Crystal, it was the same. It was his wife. It was his family. It was his cow named Norbert. Uh, or Norman, rather. Nor Norbert was from Harry Potter. But uh, it was, you know, his, his family. And that's what it is for me. I mean, my mom, very strong woman. I love her. My sister, I love her. My brother, I love him, even though he's sometimes infuriating. But he's a wonderful brother. And uh, I don't know. These are the people that make my world go round. Now, on a next level, definitely friends, definitely hanging out with people, definitely enjoying yourself and being part of a community, whether it's a Star Wars community, whether it's your local community, whether it's an Elks club, whether it's a baseball team, football team, hockey team, it doesn't matter. Whether it's the people at your work, whatever it is that makes you feel like you are part of something that is bigger than you, is my personal meaning of life but for everybody that's different and yours may be your job yours may be your star wars collection yours may be anything anything at all traveling family friends um a special dog a special cat a special fish a turtle shoot rocky balboa back to rocky balboa he loved those turtles man lincoln cuff you know it's it's all your own personal choice, and that's why I definitely defer to Curly from uh, City Slickers there. I mean, he said it's one thing, and that's what you got to figure out. So good luck, Ryan Brad, with figuring out what is the meaning of life for you. Uh, David Stone replied to Ryan Brad, David Stone is actually a B-Wing pilot from Return of the Jedi. How cool is it that on the Imperial Commissary, now like famous people that played the characters that we have the toys of, just reply to stuff? I saw... Uh, what is it? Jim Swearingen, the guy who picked up the entire Star Wars line for Kenner uh, after Mattel passed and everything like that. Um, 
Jim Swearingen was answering some random question, just some basic question. I think it was about like the color of Luke's lightsaber or something on some thread in the comments. I mean, if you can't trust his word for it, who are you going to trust? Because he's the guy who like manufactured the thing. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, David Stone says in reply to the meaning of life, he says living, maybe. <laughs> uh, next up. Terry Leaders. Hi, Mike. What do you think of the Imperial Troop Transport showing up in The Mandalorian? I think it's awesome. I think they totally gave you a little loft up uh, just for the old school fans. I mean, very few people are going to recognize that thing unless you played with the toy. It wasn't that popular of a vehicle, except it did show up in uh, Rebels before that. The Imperial Troop Transport was in Rebels before that. But I thought it was really cool. I didn't cheer at the screen. I was more happy to see the 501st in that scene actually getting a little bit of attention from Lucasfilm and Disney for the great work they do. I think that the 501st should be used really, really often in all these really cool shows and stuff like that. Why not use the 501st? I mean, these people are really, really into it. They'll do it for free. I know with the Screen Actors Guild and stuff, it makes it weird, and I'm not trying to take jobs away from anybody in movies, but... If you're making a TV series and you need background actors, I mean, they ask for background actors all the time because I'm in Nashville. I mean, it's never for Star Wars or I'd give it a shot. Uh, but why not? I, I think it was so cool seeing the 501st in there and then people got to be so proud of it and, you know, just show their, their pride in being in an actual Star Wars thing. I mean, these are the people that build their, their armor from scratch and they go do charity things all over the United States and they sweat in those buckets and it is hot and it is hard work and they do it for the love of the game. I mean, it's like watching, you know, triple A AAA little league baseball where they're just good enough to really, really know the fundamentals, but not good enough to be getting paid for it in some way and lose the love of the game. Uh, that's the 501st to me. They have the love of the game, and I think they're awesome. So I love that. Um, I love the Imperial Troop Transport, and I love the Mandalorian. I mean, I, I love it. I think it's a phenomenal show. Charlie Lord, next question. Charlie Lord asks, non-vintage question. If you could pick a UCS logo Lego to be made, what would it be? Uh, love the podcast and keep on hustling. Thanks, brother. I appreciate the kind words. Um, if I could pick a UCS Lego, like create one myself, like a new one, or which one do I like the best? Which one do I like the best? It would be the, uh, I have the Super Star Destroyer downstairs, Vader Super Star Destroyer, and that was really, really fun to build with my wife. We build Legos, and uh, I like the Millennium Falcon. It's huge and cool, but I don't like the way the panels sit on top of the Falcon. I don't think that's perfect. They should snap in somehow. I understand they want it so the Falcon could be accessible, but it looks sloppy. Um, even the, the drive, uh, the, the, what is it? The engine, it, it just looks sloppy. It doesn't look perfectly uniform like the Falcon should. And I've looked into it and that's just the way it is. But, um, I like the, the slave one, but the, there is a problem with the slave one as well. The UCS slave one, um, they should have a way like the vintage toy where you can take out the Han and Carbonite. Once you build the Han and Carbonite into the space in the Slave 1, you close up the entire thing and it's inaccessible later, which is weird. I mean, that could be any random Lego bricks. you still got to use your imagination both ways. Uh, but if I could create one, create one. I mean, they came out with that new Star Destroyer and it's pretty cool, I must admit. But if I could create one, hmm. 
a UCS. So it would have to be a big one. For you guys that don't know what UCS is, it's the Ultimate Collector Series of Legos. They're these hugely giant ones, and they're really detailed and really, really cool. What would I pick? Uh... You know what? The only Imperial Shuttle they've ever had is a tiny one, and I think a UCS Imperial Shuttle would be awesome. So I would say the Imperial Shuttle Tidarium, UCS style, please, for my pick. Next question. Paul Cherno. Do you think Disney will ever make a Darth Vader movie? I think if you make Darth Vader something, you make it into a series, because we have a whole bunch of years between the ages of Anakin Skywalker and old falling apart Darth Vader on well not falling apart I mean Darth Vader a new hope I mean that's a what 20 30 year block of missing time and I think that's when Darth Vader was the coolest so I think they would make a TV show out of Darth Vader I don't think they would waste it on a movie or three movies I think they would make a TV show uh, just throw it on Disney plus look at how well they're doing with the Mandalorian you could follow Darth Vader along. I'm sure it would be very dark, um, but that's okay too. You know, I, I think it would be cool. I'd watch it for sure. But yeah, I think they'll do it eventually. Uh, SC Taylor says, "Do you collect any other vintage line than Star Wars?" Um, no, no, I don't do other vintage toys. I have a vintage Thundercats. Uh, no, not a Thundercats. A uh, what is it called? Uh, Voltron. I have a vintage Skyhawks, or I think they're Skyhawks. What are they? they they're like the guys with the Silverhawks. Uh, I have vintage. I have one vintage Silverhawks, but those are just ones I remember. I have a vintage Aquaman um, on card because I remember playing with Aquaman back in the day. Uh, but those kind of things, but just one-offs. I do not collect other toy lines. I collect pens. I have some very, very nice fountain pens. Um, I really enjoy them. I think they're really, really nice and fancy. Um, as well as watches. I collect some luxury watches. Not as many as I would like, but more than I should have the right to have. So, <laughs> I only got two arms. But, uh, yeah, watches and pens are, are definitely my kryptonite as far as collecting. And vintage Star Wars, obviously. Also, those Disney diecasts really got me on the hook for a while. I have, like, two of each of those forever, and they're worthless. But, I don't know, I still kind of like them. Uh, next up, Tom Lazett. How is your brother, Father Robert, doing, and when can we support him through one of your super fantastic auctions? Tom, uh, you can always support him uh, at the top of the IC, always. There is a pinned post or an announcement, but you can check there. It, right now, it is a Takara R2-D2 that one of the members donated, and it is a... Yeah, AFA-80 Takara R2, and it's very, very cool. The Takara R2 is the one from Japan. It's the wind-up R2-D2, uh, so he walks... But he's AFA-graded, and he looks great. And for $3, it's the tickets are $3. They're charity raffles, and no money. I don't keep any of the money at all from the charity raffles. I usually donate the items. A member nicely donated this item, but uh, most of the items I donate, and what I do is I give the item, I do double the price, and that's how many raffle tickets I sell. And then once that's done, I do the drawing and somebody wins. Um, raffle tickets are $3 each or 2 for $5. You send it to a different PayPal and we keep all track of it through there. And uh, that money comes in and that all goes for food, only food, water, education, housing, 
uh, schools and stuff like that to people in some of the poorest places in the world, um, Africa, Latin America, and it really has done so much good. It's unbelievable. I know you guys sometimes see uh, the modern figures. I, I give those to my brother, but the modern figures, they aren't, they don't take up any space in the container loads that go over there with food and water. They don't take up any of that. What my brother does is he puts them in the bottom part of his suitcase. He takes one or two pairs of socks instead of 15 pairs of socks like I would to Africa. And uh, in the rest of that space in his carry-on bag, he fills it with vintage toys as tight as he can fit it. So if you are with modern toys. If you ever want to send me some modern toys, feel free. Just make sure they are clean. Make sure they are loose, not boxed, because there's no room for boxes. And uh, these kids, the kids that he brings them to and gives those toys out to, they're so appreciative because they'll never have a toy in their life. I mean, it's not like America where you go to the toy aisle at Walmart and there's 10 million of different kinds of toys you can get every week. Um, these kids never have a toy. Sometimes it's a plastic bottle if they're lucky, and even plastic bottles have more value than a child's plaything over there. So it's it's very, very wonderful to see these pictures he'll send back of tons of kids getting hand out our stickers and our our little things, little toys, a C-3PO or something. There's a cute kid on there. He's just smiling so big and he's got his new brand new C-3PO. I mean, not brand new. It's a figure from 1997, Power of the Force 2 or something that none of us could care less about. I mean, what's a loose Power of the Force 2 figure worth? 50 cents? But that's going to be that kid's favorite toy for his whole childhood. Uh, it's such a special feeling the, the wonderful things that we can do just with a little bit of money from free stuff. I mean, I have so much Star Wars stuff. It's just the way I am. I buy it a lot. And uh, that's why we'll do our live unboxing because the dog barked earlier later. But um, I buy so much Star Wars stuff all the time that it makes me feel really good when I can give away something that is just extra for me. Whether it's a 12-back or a Takara R2, it's just extra. And I can give away that extra thing and have people buy those raffle tickets. And then somebody wins, so they're always happy. Everybody else gets to donate to a wonderful cause. And, yeah, I put it up, say, for example, the Takara R2 here. I'll, I'll open up the IC here so I can tell you a little bit about it. Um, and tell you exactly how it works because it's really really interesting and I would love you guys to do it more I do not pitch it very much. Um, it's always at the top of the IC if you want to participate feel free uh, My brother is a Catholic priest. I know that some people are Cool with that some people are not cool with that some people whatever everybody can have their own opinion That's okay. Um, one of the big things is turning the other cheek. So that never bothers me but if you want to support it um, all the money even though it goes to my brother directly, it goes directly to these charities. And these charities go directly to just such impoverished, such impoverished people that it's, I don't know, it, it really makes such a difference. I mean, this is the kind of, these are the kind of places where five bucks saves somebody's life. So believe it or not, we have saved lives with Star Wars toys and there's nothing more special for that. Uh, nothing more special than that. Anyway. Uh, the Takara R2, it's an 85 plus, actually, I was wrong. It's an AFA 85 plus, so it's a really, really high-end Takara R2. And I figured that the ballpark price was 650 bucks for that. Now, 
I saw one sell that was an AFA 80 for 650 bucks. So obviously my price evaluation was low, but whatever. So 650 bucks plus 650 bucks is $1,100. So I set that as the price. Once $1,100 worth of tickets are sold at $3 each or two for $5, then I take that $1,100, I donate it directly to the charity, all the money, and then I pay for the shipping out of my pocket. So none of this money comes to me or anyone else in any way. And my brother took a vow of poverty, so it's not going to him. It is going to literally the poorest people in the world. And there is no other charity on the face of the planet. And I can guarantee that. There is no other charity on the face of the planet where 100% of every penny taken in not the profit not the on top of the cost of the whatever on top of the cost of the cfo none of that 100 percent of every penny that goes into this charity goes directly to some of the poorest people in the world so feel free to join in the fun right there at the top of the ic um it's the ic charity raffle we have about 240 bucks left i think until this takara r2 is filled up if you buy too many tickets and it goes over it'll just go to the next one but there is always a pinned charity raffle post on the imperial commissary so go check it out brother um next question timothy c langley will or wait what do you think of the custom smith lord creation figures Ugh. well smith lord creations um Smith Lord, here, you ready? I'll say it really easy and quick. I mean, they're, they've tried to start fights or whatever with the IC because we are a very anti-repro group, and they create some of the most close-to-authentic-looking repros on the planet. Um, it is a bad company, so if they make custom figures, great for them, but that's like saying that, uh, I don't know, the Manhattan Project also puts out a teddy bear. I mean, they're still making nukes, so whatever smith lord creations they have no place here on the ic that's that's what i think of them next up nick joseph who's been on the beer then i don't know what the beer is who's been on the beer then i don't know what that means anyway but i think that's nick joseph the uh he's the guy from the uh metal bearer in a new hope so another famous folk tuned in this week uh felipe francisco de souza I like your name, brother. Hi, Mike. What is the size of your collection? Do you own only Kenner or Glassleet or Uze or Takara, etc. as well? Um, I do have some of each of those, brother. Um, I like weird stuff or I like stuff that, I don't know, I guess speaks to me. I have a pretty good size collection. It's a huge collection. Um, I love collecting vintage star wars toys i will buy lots when i see them and i'll pick out the things that i like the most i'll sell off the rest on the ic and then i'll buy more star wars with that stuff like i said we'll open up some stuff here but um i'm really into top toys i'm really into lily letty you know what i think my collecting my collecting has changed Way back when I started collecting, uh, when I was little, it was uh, mowing lawns and then you take the money to my mother through mine away and you buy whatever you could. And those were just essentially loose Star Wars Kenner figures from the U.S. Once I got back into it about seven years ago, um, six, seven years ago, I think it was seven years ago. But uh, once I got back into it, once I started making actual money with a real job and I could afford the finer things in life, more. Um, <laughs> I started getting into it, and I started buying... First, it was a complete set. Then it was another complete set. Then it was every boxed vehicle. And um, there were a lot of things I purchased that 
number one, I didn't even like. Uh, and number two, I had no connection with. So I started to try to get away from that. See, I, I did the whole Power of the Force set. So every card with a coin I bought over, I think, a two-year period. And it took me a long time to check off the set, and that was fun. Uh, but once I had the set there, I'm looking at it, and I'm going, all right, there's a yak face that I have absolutely no connection to. There's a bunch of droids and Ewoks figures that I couldn't care less about except for the Boba Fett. There is a bunch of uh, low grays and lumets and... Not low grays and lumets. Yeah, I guess low gray, lumet. Uh, who else? Tebow. Uh, Paplu. Uh, Imperial Dignitary, a whole bunch of figures I couldn't care less about that are already in my complete sets. So why did I have this set? I don't know. And I'm looking at it going, that's a whole lot of money. So what I did is I sold all those off and I got really, really into Boba Fett because Boba Fett's my favorite character. So I started collecting Boba Fett. So I bought a whole bunch of loose Boba Fetts, carded Boba Fetts, uh, early Boba Fetts. I got a Kim Simmons photo sample Boba Fett, a whole bunch of stuff, 12 inch, whatever. Um, and I really, really liked that for a while. And then I started moving away from Boba Fett and getting more... Well, I still collect Boba. I mean, I probably have a Boba in this mail call, to be honest. But uh, I started collecting foreign stuff. And I really liked foreign stuff. And the way I connect to foreign stuff, I enjoy bootlegs. Um, but now I stay away from bootlegs that are, uh, let's say... Like, even Uze, I have maybe two in my collection, but I'll probably eventually get rid of them just because they're not my favorite thing i am not from turkey i don't have very many friends from turkey um i know one guy that's from turkey he's a really nice guy and uh but i don't have very many friends from turkey i don't have any connection i've never been to turkey it's not really my place uh palatoy i've been to england a bunch of times but i never really had a connection with palatoy carded figures it's just not my personal thing where i get my connections to things are when i'm hanging out with collectors that become friends from wherever these things are. Like, uh, I'm really into Lily Letty. I have a whole bunch of Lily Letty. I have everything loose. Um, I have some carded ones. And I love Lily Letty. And the reason why I love Lily Letty is because I have some very, very, very good friends in Mexico now. And those friends from Mexico collect Lily Letty. So when you're talking with them over time, you end up getting into it. So I ended up getting those. And then Top Toys. I really got into Top Toys because... Uh, my friend Daniel Freddy Segoiva, uh, he's a Top Toys guy, and we've always talked about Top Toys, and that's how I got interested in them. And that's why I just got in, like, last week. These They're right here in front of me. Uh, there was a Doriana Margarine um, promotion back in when Star Wars first came out down in Argentina. And it's just these little tiny plastic cutout tops from the Doriana margarine containers. And I love them. There's 14 different ones, I believe. And I have two so far. So I'm still looking for more of those. They're really, really hard to get. And they are not cheap. But um, to anybody else, they look like worthless garbage. Literally. But um, I'm into them because I know what they are. And I have a friend that I've talked to about it. And... I don't know, that's that's how I get into these kind of things, and that's why my collection is always changing. Um, when I become connected with certain things, or I really talk about them, and I get the knowledge, knowledge breeds enjoyment and understanding, and uh, that's with anything, whether it's the watches I collect, or the pens I collect, or anything like that. Um, it allows you to learn about something new from someone else, and you get really into that. So those are the kind of things I collect. I have had a bunch of different Uze carded figures. I've had a bunch of different Polish bootlegs. I really liked Polish bootlegs back in the day, not because I had any connection to them, but because I like bootlegs. 
bootlegs are uh, sort of artistic renderings of vintage figures that were created in the vintage era for places that didn't have the money or the contracting license obligations to be able to produce Kenner actual licensed figures. Uh, so I really got into bootlegs. I had uh, some frustrating folks on bootleg pages that weren't so nice and there were some misunderstandings and as I always say I mean I'm always more than willing to bury any hatchet and move on but sometimes people don't want that and uh, so those I really got out of because the people that I know who collect those um, we're not friends we just haven't been able to breach that barrier of friendship and even though my door is always open and I'm always willing to do so it gave me a bad taste in my mouth I guess for certain things um, that's the reason why like I don't know even Uze I I had had so many greedy people issues with Uze that I no longer collect them Will I buy them if I find them for a good price? Absolutely. I can verify a Uze carded figure blindfolded. I know exactly what I'm looking for. And that makes it a valuable commodity to get some of my other toys. So I'll buy an Uze if I can get it for a fair price and turn around and sell it to somebody for a little bit of profit in order to go offset some of the costs of a ridiculously priced Boba Fett. Why not? Um, but I won't keep them. I won't keep Uze carded figures anymore. It's just... I don't know. You get... I don't know. All right. The best way I can explain it. You ready? When I was in college, um, I had a bottle of Southern Comfort. Now, Southern Comfort, I had a handle. A handle is a large bottle of Southern Comfort. And uh, I drank that large bottle of Southern Comfort. And I got very, very ill from that large bottle of Southern Comfort. To this day, I cannot smell Southern Comfort without it turning my stomach. Um there's some Star Wars things where it's like that for me. And that's unfortunate. And I would love for that to change someday. So I'm not saying that'll always be the way it is. But for right now it is. I collect the things that I have friends that collect. Because that's what I enjoy about this. I, I don't nearly enjoy the toys nearly as much as I enjoy the friendships that I've built from talking about toys. So I collect what my friends collect. And I think that's the way you do it your whole life. I mean, if your friends don't collect it, what's the point of you collecting it? You don't even know what it is. So, currently I am collecting Top Toys and some Boba stuff. And Top Toys are down from Argentina. Uh, there's not really much Letty I need left except for some carded figures, which I still get here and there. I have so many Jawas it's ridiculous I mean I'm I record this not in my collection room but in the room where I sell stuff and I have a popcorn bin halfway full of Boba Fett's a popcorn bin completely full of Emperor's Royal Guards and two popcorn bins full of Jawas now the reason why isn't because Andrea's stopped a Jawa focus it isn't because I've stopped a Boba focus it isn't because I don't like Emperor's Royal Guards but it's because I bought so many of these over the years at different toy shows or gotten them in lots. I never sell them. Um, I just keep them and it gets a little bit out of control. I got a Raincore box flat. I was never big into Raincore pre-production box flats. I'm selling that right now because I have no place for it. It's like the size of a coffee table and it's not in any of my focuses. So stuff like that ends up moving out of the collection and then cooler stuff ends up moving into it. And uh, I'll talk about some cooler stuff. Well, I got those Doriana margarine container tops, which I'm super excited about. And uh, 
I have some other stuff that I got in today that I'll talk about. But those are the kind of things that keep me into it is the, uh, the stuff you can share with friends because that builds memories, that builds enjoyable times. That's what ICCC is all about. That's what IC is all about. That's what the community is all about. That's what the meetups are all about. It's about building friendships because one thing I can tell you is when you hit 39 years old like I am or 55 years old or whatever it is over the age of 20, you don't make new friends. And I've made hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of new friends, all of which I'm thankful for. So I don't know. I, I, I love collecting friends. I think that's my favorite part of the collection. But how big is my collection? Giant, man. I've got so much stuff, it's out of control. Uh, Robert McGregor. Hasbro distribution techniques, question mark, question mark. Um, I guess you're asking, how does Hasbro distribute stuff? I think what they do is they test out the market a lot now because what they did is uh, when TFA came out, they just dumped 8,000 of everything. And now what they do, because production times are so low, is they test it out. Like for Mandalorian, there were no real toys except for the Mando at the beginning. But even then, they put out a collector series in the Carbonite with the white box uh, that was harder to get. And then they came out with the gold box. And then they bring out a secondary release and a third release. And the reason why is because they want to make sure that the collectors and also the resellers are able to make their profit. Because nobody kills themselves to get the brand new Mandalorian just because they think it's cool. Um, even though it's cool, don't get me wrong. But if it's cool, you could wait three years until they go down in price a bit and it'll still be cool. You buy it because it has that value and you put it on your shelf and you go, oh, that's cool. I have this one that nobody else has, which is cool. Some people, that's how they love to collect. And that's great, too. I mean, whatever way you collect, there's no rule. Um, but Hasbro, I think, has gotten much, much smarter. I think what they do is they drop a certain amount so that way they can test out the market. If it hits really, really hard, then they double the amount, triple the amount, drop it again at a different date, say they're never, ever going to manufacture something ever again, and then six or eight months after they hold your money, well, I'm not trying to pick on Hasbro. I like Hasbro, and I like the toys they come out with. But, for example, that sale barge. I mean, I bought that sale barge when they said, this is going to be the last opportunity to ever buy this ever in the history of time. And then six months later, they sold a whole bunch to the UK. Like, and they said, well, since it's overseas, it doesn't technically count. And it's like, what? You know, it's 2019. Well, it was 2019 at the time. And the world is a lot smaller. The World Wide Web exists. So they had something where, and I mean, I saw resellers that bought, shoot, 20, 30, 40 of those. And I mean, that's rough for them. And I'm not saying that people should resell or flip or whatever you want to say, but it still doesn't change the fact without resellers, they wouldn't be manufacturing this stuff. Without giant places that buy up huge chunks, like say Dorkside Toys or something, they wouldn't have enough of this stuff sell in order for it to be uh, have a value for them to produce it in order for it to create that market and that drive to get it. So I think they know exactly what they're doing. I think they're doing fine. Um, why haven't they had more Mandalorian stuff? You know what? Cause they don't want to saturate the market because sideshow can get your money for a baby Yoda right now that you're not going to see till October. And 
why not? I mean, all they're doing is they're doing the same exact thing that Kenner has done since day one. Um, Kenner did something amazing, groundbreaking, revolutionary. They couldn't print out the toys in enough time to release them before A New Hope. So what they did is they put a early bird certificate in stores where you could buy the early bird set, but you didn't get any figures for three, four, or five months. So they could literally pre-order, I mean, shoot, merch or swag or anything like that for the con. If I knew how many people wanted it and they all paid for it ahead of time, it brings your, your manufacturing costs to zero. I mean, you're already making profit before you even put in the order for the items. It's a phenomenal idea. And it's the way a lot of toy companies around nowadays. Um, I did see they are going to have the Imperial Troop Transport. I did see it's $70. If it's really, really cool for $70, great. If it's just a square shoebox that's gray with no sound for $70, that seems to be not fair. But who knows? It, it all depends on the drive for people to collect that thing. I mean, I know they're making a two-inch Yoda Black series, and everybody wants it, and everybody's excited about it, but it's a two-inch doll figure that they're selling for 20 bucks. But those things are going to sell out like hotcakes. The reason why is because that baby Yoda character, or whatever you want to call him, is the next Pokemon. I mean, he's huge. Everybody loves him. I haven't seen anybody that's like, I really dislike baby Yoda <laughs> at all. Um, so that's what they do. And they're smart and they have marketing departments and stuff like that to know how to do that, which is really cool. Um, next up, Josh Luca, any Alaska meetups or members? I am brand new today. Well, welcome to the Imperial Commissary. Thank you very much for joining us, Josh. Um, I do know we have, uh, members up in Alaska, I just don't know who they are off the top of my head. I'll help you search for them or I'll send you a PM. Or I think we've been talking, actually. You had a question on a Millennium Falcon, I think. And uh, I don't know, but there there are definitely Alaska members. And I would be more than happy to do a meetup in Alaska uh, if there's enough interest and if I ever happen to be in Alaska. I'm always willing to do a meetup anywhere I go. That's the fun of it. Next question. Han Stoll. Question. As an art guy, do you have any original Ralph McQuarrie art? I do. Um, I have a couple of his... There's these ones that came in these light-up frames with a, a film slide in it. I have a bunch of those. I have uh, the original Boba Fett one where it's the uh, prototype Boba Fett, the white one. And it's signed by Ralph McQuarrie, which is really cool. I have the elongated mask Darth Vader one, uh, the original drawings of Darth Vader, Ralph McQuarrie one. It's awesome. I think it's just a print, though. It's uh, There was a guy who cosplayed it at Celebration last year, and he, he looked so cool. I have a couple Hildebrandts. Um, those are other people that did art, vintage art for Star Wars. I also have a lot of newer stuff. Um, I enjoy Barry Jones from the UK. He makes this awesome artwork and I have a Boba Fett of his I have a biker Scott of his I have a few from uh who else Jeremiah Pintoya he makes some really really cool stuff I have a cool AT-AT that's all spray painted and it's very cool very cool colors and it has the ICCC logo and stuff like that I think Jeremiah does wonderful stuff I have a TIE fighter of his I have a Boba Fett of his who else Marsha Parkins has made so much cool art I have a bunch of her stuff I have who else? I even do art for the shows. So, yeah, I uh, 
I really, really like art. I do have art galleries in real life. Um, icgalleries.com if you want to check it out. It's fine art from Latin America and Africa. Um, it's just stuff I've gotten into from my travels and I really, really dig. And I'm trying to share with the world for a bit of profit, of course. But uh, yeah, I've got some Ralph McQuarrie stuff. Not as much as I would like. And uh, I'm always looking for more, especially if it's boba. Mark Rook, when are you visiting Australia? Brother, I want to come to Australia. I want to come on a... I'll tell you what. If I could get this con where it's actually producing profit in any way, and I'm not trying to make it profitable. I'll probably turn it into a non-profit by then. But as soon as this convention doesn't take all my extra expendable income every year, you know, um, I, I, I travel everywhere. I always travel. I mean, even in the past years recently, I've gone to Mexico a bunch of times. I've gone up to Canada. I've gone all over the United States. I go to Florida. We're going to go to Disney here in a while. Uh, anything like that. I'm, I'm always all about traveling. I love to travel. I love going around the world. And I would love to come to Australia. I'd love to go to England again. I haven't been to England for a good six, seven years. Um, Spain, France, Germany, anywhere. I don't care. Shoot, I'll go to Turkey. I said I'll go to Turkey. But um, anything like that, I would love to go. But as soon as the con, that's what I've decided is I decided to make a convention for collectors by collectors that is unlike any other convention in the world. And what I want is I want it to be focused on collecting because the collecting aspect of this thing is starting to get lost. It's starting to get lost by all the other conventions out there that want it to be about I don't know, anime or the knockoff junk, squishy Pokemons or whatever else that they have. It's it's very, very different the way cons have become. I mean, most of the classic guest stars from 4, 5, 6 usually don't see at other cons anymore. It's always Freddie Prince Jr. or somebody like that. And nothing wrong with Freddie Prince Jr. Shoot, I love Rebels. I think Freddie Prince Jr. did a great job in Rebels, but it doesn't change the fact that it's not exactly... I mean, when's the last time Mark Hamill did a con? If anybody out there knows Mark Hamill, tell him that I'm trying to throw something really, really nice for the fans, and they would love it if he came. But um, even Mark Hamill doesn't really do a con. Harrison Ford will never do a con. Um, stuff... I, I don't know. I... What I'm saying is I want to make a convention that is super fun for the vintage collectors and the people that are like me, which are people that are really into the classic movies but still love to play and watch Star Wars every day and whatever comes from it. I mean, The Mandalorian, Baby Yoda, anything like that, any of the new stuff, TLJ, whatever it is that floats your boat, if you're into it but you also like collecting the toys... That's what I'm all about. And you go out to these other big conventions and it is always Pella Windows and T-Mobile and get your Wilson football with Chewbacca's face engraved on it. I mean, come on. Like, I don't want that. That's never, ever going to be the thing I'm hunting for. Ever. And I found from going to conventions that more and more every year, I would go to these conventions, I would walk around them for half a day or whatever, and I'd be like, oh, cool, there's 80 guest stars, there's eight vendor tables, and none of those vendor tables have anything vintage. And I really didn't like that, and that's what I wanted to change. So, as soon as this crazy Howard Hughesy idea of ICCC actually takes flight and stops costing me a bucket load of money, 
every time I throw it. Um, I will be more than happy to come on vacation to Australia, brother, and anywhere else. I would love to hunt Star Wars toys all around the world. If that could be my regular day-to-day, I'd be a very happy man. Um, It's not what I can do yet, but that's the point of dreams, folks. All right, and the last question here is from Eric Buffalo. Eric's a good guy. I've met him a few times up there in Chicago. He's part of the uh, Throwback Toys squad up there. They're opening a new place. I think they just got a place in a antique shop, and they're going to be opening up a brick and mortar, which is very, very cool. Uh, Mike Tommaso, Christopher Sparling, those guys are nice guys. Um, Eric says, if you were arrested with no explanation, what would your friends and family think you did? <laughs> um, well, I say you can ask anything. Uh, friends and family, I think everybody would think that I was in there for some like racketeering or something like that. Not because I do that, but I own a trucking company in that connotation. Plus I talk like this, like how you doing stuff like that, brother, you know, I don't know. But, uh, cause I talk like that, I, I would expect that would be, uh, that would be what they would think it is. But the funny thing is my trucking company, I move puff pastries and Learjet fuselages and Chrysler parts. So it's nothing like that, but I, I would expect that would be it. But uh, I'm not getting arrested with no explanation. Believe me, I am one of those kind of people that cross every single T and dot every single I and then go back through it twice more to make sure I crossed every single T and dotted every single I. Um, even all my taxes, everything I do is so legit and above board because I never, ever want to take chances like that. I have no desire to ever get arrested. Um, cause it's no fun, I would expect, but I've never, you know, knock on wood, never, never been there. So no worries, but yeah, I, I would expect that would be it because it's like, yeah, he, he owns a trucking company and he moves, moves quote unquote stuff out of New York and New Jersey into the United States. I mean, so that's, that's what I would think they would go with. <laughs> Uh, and on that wonderful odd one-off question, uh, that is the end of the Ask Mike section. So see, I told you, you can ask me anything about getting arrested or about Star Wars toys or about, shoot, I don't know, ICCC, anything, and I'll give you an honest answer. All right, for the next section, what we're going to do is we're going to open up my mail call here. I see we're already pushing it up on an hour and a half. But uh, we'll open up my mail call here. We'll see what's inside these cool boxes that I just got when the dog barked uh, about an hour ago. And uh, then we will go on to the IC Meetup. I'll tell you about the IC Meetup and we'll close up the show. But remember, submit your ideas, submit your thoughts, submit if you would like more guest stars, if you would like more guest collectors, if you would like anything. If you want to pitch something, if you want anybody on, if it's helpful to the hobby or if it grows the hobby in any way, I am all about giving you guys a voice. So feel free to reach out to me and let me know. All right. Now we're going to hop on over to the cool impromptu mail call section because my mail happened to come. You've got mail. Well, since the dog barked while I was recording the podcast and I got this mail in today, let me uh, pull it over here and I will tell you the cool things that I got. I found a couple deals on eBay this week. I found a couple deals. A guy reached out to me from Argentina, which was really, really cool. He had some uh, top toys to sell. I didn't get that good of deals on it, but if you can pick up a top toys any day, it's a good deal because they're really, really hard to find. So I'm actually going to open these right here on the air. So let's hope nobody sent me a rock instead of the item I purchased. (laughs) This one is from eBay. I bought it recently. Now, the thing is, is eBay, 
I sometimes purchase very late at night when I'm in the restroom. You know, so sometimes it's not the best ideas. Oh, this one I bought because this one I plan on getting rid of or trading for a boba. Um, I've had my eye on and I know somebody that collects these. But I got a uh, Poppy. I don't know if you know Poppy, uh, but it's a Poppy Chewbacca. Poppy was released in Japan. I'm opening it up here. Oh, it looks great. And it's CAS or it's AFA graded. It looks really nice. Um, very, very cool. But it's uh, AFA graded and it's a Poppy. And Poppy was made in Japan. And they came in these little tiny boxes. It looks almost like a... Uh, Oh, I don't know how to describe the box, but if you look it up, P-O-P-Y. Um, but they came in these little tiny boxes, and they had a cool insert catalog written in Japanese. It has Luke on it there with a falcon. And then it has a little tiny catalog with uh, Ultraman figures on it. I know Ultraman because I happen to be at a con down in Mexico where they had uh, the original star of Ultraman. He was actually a really funny dude. Um, but it's very, very cool. The Chewbacca says S7 on it. Uh, on the package and it is a poppy chewbacca mitt in the sealed bag so that's a very cool one that's my number one box here let's go into the next box here this box is the one from argentina you can tell because it always has extra tickets and tags and stuff like that because it comes from far away but this one is from argentina and I'm very excited to open this one because uh, Top Toys I've been collecting for, I'd say, four or five years now. And uh, I really like them because Top Toys, the way to think about it is it's kind of like a Kenner figure. Except if the person who had the Kenner figure in their hand loosely described it over the phone in a different language. And then someone else produced it that only heard that description on that phone call. <laughs> So they, they look a little bit different than regular Kenner figures. They look a bit weird, stuff like that. Um, but here's what I got. These are the Top Toys ones. I got a Stormtrooper Top Toys. Very, very cool. Complete. And he has a really cool blaster. Here, I'm opening it up here. And he is very neat. I have a Chief Chirpa. I believe I got two Chief Chirpas, so I'll probably end up selling one of those. Chief Chirpa. I have a Yoda. With his snake and his cane. Top Toys accessories. Very nice. That's really hard to get. And then I have another Chief Chirpa. And I have another Top Toys Yoda. So I will be getting rid of one of these Yodas probably. And this Top Toys Yoda actually has his belt. Which is an impossible part. Um, the belt... It does have a little crack in it, but it's not bad. It does have 100% of the belt there, which is nuts. Um, the Top Toys belts are very, very brittle and shatter on Yoda. I have never seen a complete one, even in the package. And then I have a Luke Jedi, the piece de resistance, Luke Jedi, complete. Um, complete Luke Jedi. I've been waiting on one of those for years. I have a carded example, but uh, I really wanted a loose one for display so I finally have that and then another Chief Chirpa and I'll be getting rid of the Chief Chirpa the extra one I'm sure but it's really cool they have no peg holes in the feet and the figures are a little bit different uh, the accessories are extremely different and these came in from a brand new friend I have down in Argentina so that was very very exciting and uh, if you ever know anybody with any weird stuff send them in my general direction also don't forget that i pay 10 percent finders fee so you find me a nice big lot a big expensive lot i don't care what it costs 10 20 30 40 grand doesn't matter 
I will, uh, if I can work out the deal and if I can buy it, you will get a 10% finder's fee on whatever that is. So if it is, oops, I just dropped some loose figures there, grabbing my last box. This one's pretty cool. I think I know what it is, but uh, pick up those loose figures. Um, but if you know anybody with a large collection that's looking to sell it and you do not have the funds or the want or whatever the reasoning is, but uh, you don't want that large collection for yourself, then shoot it over to me and I pay a 10% finder's fee. So if we do settle on a deal, whatever that deal is, you'll get 10% of. So say it's a $20,000 lot, which has happened numerous times in the past to me. Um, that's two grand in your pocket. And all you have to do is pass me a phone number or an email address or CC me on a messenger message, whatever. So uh, yeah, that's very cool. Oh no, it's soaking wet. Oh no. Oh no. Hold on, folks. Keep your fingers crossed. The box is soaked. The bubble wrap is soaked. Uh, stick with me, folks. I think it's going to be okay. Yeah, the bubble wrap is soaked. But it's luckily in an acrylic, so we should be okay. Let's just get in there. Open sesame. Yeah, it's soaking wet. I'm getting soaked here. If I get electrocuted because my headset is touching the water, um, I don't know. I'll probably get more hits on this podcast than I ever did before. <laughs> but uh, here. I'm almost there. Stay on target. No whammies. Stay dry. Bubble wrap is still wet on the last row of bubble wrap I'm on. Very nervous. Nope. It is good here, folks. It's a beauty. It is a 12-inch Boba Fett. It is an acrylic, and it is not wet, thankfully. Oh, I was very, very nervous there. But, uh, yeah, it's a beauty. I love it. Awesome. All right, I'm, ha I'm a happy camper. I'm a happy camper. So I did get a Boba Fett there, folks. Uh, I figured I'd have a Boba but of course, I got a boba. So anyway, some top toys of boba. That's a really good mail call day. Not every mail call is like that, but uh, this one is. And wow, that box is soaked. I really got lucky. I wonder how it got so wet. I mean, I uh, I went out there and got it when the dog barked. I don't know. Maybe it was sitting in something or the window in the mail truck was open. I don't know. My, ma my mail is very, very funny. I, I live in a... Uh, old school kind of town. I mean, I'm right outside of Nashville. I'm 15 minutes from downtown, but I live in an old school kind of town where my mail car today was like a 97 Lincoln town car <laughs> with a flashing light on top. But, uh, I don't know. I, I like where I live, so I don't mind that the mail trucks are a little bit outdated, but I'm sure he just had the window down or something. No big deal. Crisis averted some really, really awesome toys today. Couldn't be happier. And, uh, I'm glad I could share that with you guys. So I'm really glad that Tessa barked down there and we were able to go through that. But yeah, remember, you ever find a collection that's too big for you? Just give me a holler and I'll go anywhere. It doesn't matter. Anywhere in the world to get Star Wars toys. I'm all about it. All right. Last thing we're going to talk about is the IC Meetup. Now, I have just put up information just now for the IC Meetup at a Celebration. We do the IC Meetup on every... 
the Friday on the the weekend of celebration. So on 828 of 2020, that'll be Friday, August 28th of 2020, um, somewhere in Anaheim, California, somewhere close to the venue. I'm still working on finding a good venue for us. I will find a venue and uh, I'll throw a party. And what this party is, is essentially a bunch of conference tables and chairs and a whole bunch of IC members come and they bring old vintage toys and they buy, sell, and trade them. This is really, really close to one of the good toy shows. Um, it has awesome stuff. I know my buddies from Mexico always come up, bring a ton of Lily Letty. I know my boys from England come out. I know the Swedes, some Swedes come out. Uh, lots of different people from all over the country, all over the United States come out. The Lemkus were there. Uh, a whole bunch of people. Sky Pain came out from the, uh, the podcast, the Vintage Pod. Uh, a whole bunch of people come out. Ross Barr is there from CAS. I know Marcy dropped by last year. There's a whole bunch of people from AFA. She is... Uh, there's a whole bunch of people come out and they buy, sell, and trade their toys, hang out, talk Star Wars, and do general IC stuff. Uh, there is no cost for this. I usually put a bucket in the corner where people could drop in a couple bucks to try to set off the cost, uh, try to offset the cost if they want. There is, it's not necessary. There is also a charity raffle every time, and the proceeds go directly to my brother's charity, just like the charity raffles on the IC. So come on out. It will be August 28th. I do not know the venue yet. I do not know the time yet, but it will be on Friday, August 28th, and it takes place before the room sales. Room sales usually start at about 10 or 11 p.m., and the IC meetup usually ends about 9 p.m. It usually starts... uh, either right after the show, right after celebration, like five till nine, or else sometimes it starts even earlier. When we did it down in Orlando, I got a good deal on the room, on the the meetup room, and we had it shoot. I think it was from like noon till 9 p.m. So it'll be going on. Just stay tuned to the Imperial Commissary. Check it out, www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the imperial commissary right up at the top it is currently the pin post along with the charity raffle but you can always find it under events if you click events and it is the ic celebration meetup on 8 2020 we will see you there there is no cost um what we do is we're going to figure out a way to get people in i think the easiest way is just to have you show a screenshot or show the picture of the ic or show yourself logged in on your phone into the ic and then we'll let you in the door Uh, We had to start doing that last year. One of the people letting in people started asking, who is the founder? Which is really, really funny. And it's not what I said anyway. But but, uh, what was happening is it was right outside of Celebration. And Celebration closed and we had hundreds of people. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people just walking up going, can we come in? And it was like, well, are you in the IC? And they'd be like, yes or no. And they needed some validating questions. So Nick thought that one up and it did work quite well. But uh, all, all you have to do is you have to have bring up the IC on your cell phone. Everybody's got a cell phone in their pocket nowadays. Bring up the IC on your cell phone. Show that you have access to it, which means you are a member since it is a closed group. And then you're more than welcome to come in. It's free. There'll probably be a uh, cash bar or something like that. And there's usually some snacks or pizza, depending on what the venue allows me to do. And uh, we also have people that buy, sell, and trade. To tell you the truth, at the IC meetups over the past celebrations, there have been more vintage toys at the IC meetups than there have been in 
all of the actual celebration. Because it's not really the focus of celebration, the vintage toys. They have some beautiful stuff, but the IC Meetup has probably what you're looking for. So come on out. It'll be August 28th, 2020. We will see you there in Anaheim, California. And now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friends, I'll say it clear, Sinatra sings a lot better than I can. Well, we've reached the end of the show, folks, and even though it's been a wonderful time, it does have to come to an end eventually. I will try to edit in that Boba Fett sound. I don't know. What do you think? You think I'll be able to do it? Well, you'll already know because you'll hear it in there. But I just wanted to tell you about where to find Imperial Commissary stuff. Check out www.imperialcommissary.com. That is for all the 22 Facebook groups. You could also join up with the main IC group if you're into vintage Star Wars toys. That's www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Imperial Commissary. Also check out the convention website. You will see it update once I finally have a venue locked down at www.icnashville.com. And you can check us out on Instagram at ICCC Nashville. And that's the same one for Twitter. So check us out there. Check us out all these places. If you need to contact me, feel free. My name is Michael Havens. You can just Google Michael Havens Star Wars, and I guarantee there'll be a way to get a hold of me. Have a great day. Have a great week. And I hope you enjoyed the show. And we'll see you next time on IC Star Wars. Star Wars.